0: Onto the science fiction. Story number one. Varside Side of Forever. Written by Alt Cipher. Tell us what happened, Lieutenant. The man in the gray suit with the tired eyes said. Lieutenant Rosa McCallum stared at the cold metal table in front of her. The dim lights above gave the room a feeling somewhere between cozy and stifling. She felt... Her breath catching in her throat as she began to speak She grabbed the glass of water with trembling hands and took another sip When she set the glass back down, she used two hands as she didn't trust herself to accomplish it with one I finished my second doctorate, you know, Lieutenant McCullum said, in physics She spoke without lifting her eyes from the table It was easier that way The mission, Lieutenant said the younger man in a blue suit. The old man, the one with the gray suit, held out his hand to silence the younger man. In your own time, the man in the gray suit said. Had they told Rosa their names, she wondered. They must have. The types always had their protocols, and introducing themselves was almost always at the top of the list. But she couldn't remember. Just a few months before the mission, Lieutenant McCullum said, Captain Williams was at my graduation. I tried to tell him it wasn't necessary, but he said if it was a big day for one of his crew, then it was a big day for him. I liked him. He was a good man. Rosa sat quietly after that, tapped in the memory that she could not escape, but only momentarily. She took a deep breath and started again. There is, uh, this assumption, she said, that we've made, uh, that we've carried with us for, um, centuries, I guess. It is the assumption that the laws of physics don't change with your location. I mean, sure, deep in a gravity well versus outside of a gravity well will have different relative concerns. But that rule is throughout the universe. Chemistry starts getting weird when you're in insanely high temperatures or pressures. See, the equation's always the same. It's just the values of the parameters and variables that change. So, if you're at one atmosphere of pressure, there are terms you can ignore. But if you're at a hundred million atmospheres of pressure, then you really need to calculate all the terms. You're talking gibberish, the young man in the blue suit said. Let her tell a story in her own way. The man in the gray suit said, The man in the blue suit shot him, a nasty look, about Haldy's tongue. When I was selected for this mission, Lieutenant McCannam said, giving no appearance of having heard either of the men, I was ecstatic, the biggest event in physics, the biggest event in history, maybe, and I was going to be a part of it. My name would be remembered throughout history Maybe not as famous as Columbus or Armstrong But certainly as memorable as Aldrin or Feynman Can you imagine that? Rosa looked up at the man for the first time Only now giving any indication that she knew that she had an audience I was actually so vain and shallow as to look forward to fame Can't believe that a person was me It's like reading a story of a naive bumpkin coming to the city for the first time Only to find out that it's not just a story It's your life I was a fool We weren't ready Can you tell us what happened at the launch? The man in the grey suit kept his voice soft and low Reminding Rosa just a bit of a grandfather We lined up for our pictures The captain peed on the tire and we made our way to the lift Lieutenant McCullough said. All very traditional. Reporters shouted questions from across the gap. Camera flashes followed us until with the lift doors closed. We made some idle chatter on the way up, though I couldn't tell you what it was about. We loaded in, we strapped in our chairs, and waited for the countdown. Eventually, ground control lit the candle and we tore away from Earth. Six minutes later, we were in orbit. Five hours after that, we had rendezvoused with the booster that they had sent up earlier. Twenty minutes later, we made our escape burn and flung ourselves away from Earth. Away from our home. G-forces pulled and tore at us, but we rode the bull until they finally gave out. We drifted for a week in microgravity. We double and triple checked every sensor, every gear, every mechanism... We ran diagnostics on diagnostics. We did everything we could to pump up the safety margin. But it wasn't enough. The man in the gray suit said, go on. The big day came, Rosa said, the first man faster than light trip. The whole world held their breath as we spun up the Hiroshido drive Of course, they were a few light minutes behind us And the control put in a delay just in case they had to cut the feed for some emergency But we felt them with us Watching us, our ship ran on hope as much as hydrazine The captain used to say that Especially when they'd get crabby about doing some PR meet and creep While ship runs on hope As much as hydrazine Rosa drifted off again into her memory The man in the blue suit looked to the older man But neither said anything We spun up the Hoshida drive And all the lights turned green Rosa said Her eyes unfocused on anything in the room Control gave us the go ahead Several minutes later As we waited out the light speed delay The captain acknowledged and engaged the drive Rosa fell silent the men watched her, engaged. The drive, Rosa said, seems uh, simplistic. Seems to not quite uh, capture the moment. He pushed a button, and um, and we spat in God's eye. She looked up at the men, her eyes burning and wild. We offended every natural law. When we touched the Hachido drive, I thought I saw the judgment of humanity. We have. We are sin, and this, this is our hubris This is our modern Tower of Babel We tried to climb up to meet God, and he cursed us for our arrogance Rosa jerked her head to the side and stared at the wall, squeezing her eyes tight so that the tears wouldn't get out We exited transit space We pop back into real universe. There's a philosophical argument about what happened in transit space. The probes and automated test flights we sent through couldn't answer it. Do we even exist in transit space? Or are we turned into pure equations? Only a potential to be real again. Does time pass in transit space? Does transit space itself actually exist? Or is it some mathematical metaphor? Well, my flight... Didn't answer that What I can tell you is that crossing transit space seems to take no time at all Subjectively, one instant we were in the other solar system And then in the next we were somewhere else Transit space was an ephemeral as an idea and infinitesimally instantaneous We had no sensation of moving or going through a process It was less than the blink of an eye Rosa turned back to the men, her face lined with the trails of many tears But it was what we found when we arrived that was far more instantaneous or ephemeral While I have no memory of the transit, I can never forget what I saw on the other side The uh, laws of nature had broken I don't know how far we moved in that first jump. I know it was far beyond this galaxy and probably outside the galactic neighborhood. We couldn't find any landmarks that we recognized, but it was far enough that small changes added up that the rest of the crew were, um, killed. I could hear their screams for a few minutes until the intercom cut out. The captain was shouting something I couldn't make out. I saw Commander Ricky trying to make it down the hallway. He had been stationed amidship in the Astronometrics Bay, so the changes took longer on him. His skin was melting as he crawled along the hallway. I saw one of his eyes grow impossibly large and finally pop. The fluid inside spread out and coated the bulkheads. His blood began sublimating through the open wounds. The spasm as he walked. His back jerked and twisted with every step, but it was the screaming that got to me. I never heard anything like it You could uh, you could hear his soul being torn out It must have been over in a few minutes But it seemed to take forever He eventually ended up fusing with one of the bulkheads near my engineering bay I had to stare at his melted half-digested corpse for days See, I was stuck there It took me a while to piece it together But the only thing I can come up with Was the Hichido drive had protected me It must have pulled the bubble of a regular space along with it or something. I haven't had time to work out the math, though. Everything within roughly ten meters of the drive was protected. Anything outside that bubble was destroyed. Twisted and crumpled. I had to live in that bay for three weeks with the remains of Commander Ricky just outside the door, frozen in his last painful cry for help, staring at me, judging me, blaming me. The man in the blue suit shifted his weight in his chair He said How did you get back? If the ship was as damaged as you say How did you recover it? Rosa snapped back to the present I had an option to either give up and die With no one knowing the fate and the dangers out there She said Or I could get to work I'm not one for giving up usually So I went to work I tried to re-engage the drive from engineering But the computer locked me out Safety protocols, you see. Multiple computers throughout the ship. If one disagrees or if they can't come to a consensus, they won't make any changes. Well, only one of those computers was in engineering with me. The others were scattered throughout the remains of the ship. They were returned nonsense answers, like asking what is 2 plus 2 and getting a response of Shrimp Scampi. I had to beat one sensible computer into submission. Before I could light the drive, I had to know what went wrong. It was bad enough living through that once. I was not going to chance the repeat performance. Not to mention, I wasn't sure the drive would protect me a second time. I ran a few tests from engineering. I found that the further away I got from the drive, the more odd results I would see. There were no windows down in engineering, and I was certainly wasn't going to stroll up to the command deck to take a look outside. I had a notebook with my results in it You should look for that Once I found out that the roughly 10 meter bubble around the drive I made my decision to chance it I made the one protected computer behave by then And reversed our course back to earth I said a prayer and spun up the drive I was tired and half mad from exhaustion by then I wasn't sure I'd done everything correctly And I asked God to watch over me I promised that if he brought me home safely I would spread the word that the Hishido Drive must never be used again That I would tell everyone we must humble ourselves before him Well, here I am He held up his end of the bargain So I am going to hold up mine The man in the grey suit nodded and said Thank you, Lieutenant I know this is difficult, but your statement is very important I'm sorry for everything you went through "'The doctors in Balmore will take good care of you.' "'Both men stood up and walked out. "'In the hallway, they passed the nurses and sent to watch over Rosa. "'Do you believe any of that?' the man in the blue suit asked. "'Every word,' the older man said. "'What? There is no proof any of this is true.' The younger man in the blue suit said, "'Only half of that ship came back and she's clearly gone around the bend. Isn't it more likely she snapped, killed the crew, and abandoned them to their deaths?' "'I suppose that is possible. But why? Suppose you're right. She went crazy and killed the other four people, brilliant minds who were trained by the military, men and women who knew the risks could handle themselves in almost any situation.' She showed no signs on her pre-flight evaluations of any mental instabilities and was admired for her tenacity. She's not the type to suddenly have such a severe snap. There would have been her warning signs, especially given how closely she was monitored for a year before the launch. So, if she didn't go crazy, then you'd have me believe that she killed her crew mates some purpose." But where's her motive for that? From all the reports, the crew got along with each other, probably better than most families. There's no evidence of anything other than the exactly what she said. Besides, we did find her notebook. The guys at ground control are examining it, but it seems to be exactly what she said. The laws of physics exchange wherever that ship went. I still think it's likely she just lost her mind and went on a kidding spree, the man in the blue suit said. But for sake of argument, let's say you're right and her story is absolutely true. They found some weird place out on the other side of forever, and that was what killed everyone. Well, they shut down the problem. Apollo 1. Sorry. Apollo 1. It was the first manned mission from NASA to get to the moon, but there was a fire during the test and three men crewed burned to death. Terrible publicity, bad design, contractors and government people being put under scrutiny. You'd have thought the whole thing would go belly up and then and there But it didn't Apollo 11, two years later, put men on the moon Oh, this will be a setback And I'm sure a bunch of scientists will get wound up about it But we're not stopping Delayed? Maybe Investigate? Certainly But we're not stopping By the time you're my age I bet they'll have the bugs worked out And you'll be coming up to Mars the way that we go to England or Japan now all of human history comes down to one thing. What's on the other side of that hill? We're not going against billions of years of evolution because a of tragedy of like this. They'll be remembered as heroes, but they'll also be remembered as the first of many who took that trip. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun, I hope